Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. And welcome to Fofop. I'm Charlie Clawson, and my guest this week is a comedian, Cam Knight. I just saw you pause. You're going to do a, a, a sync clap at the start of the show. I was. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was. I thought that's what you were doing oh. because you were sort of labouring over the one, two, and I just thought that was the level of professionalism that you held with Fofop. But clearly, you don't. Cam, so Cam, here we Cam. are. You, you, just you are. You are adorable. Uh, Tofop and Fofop, by extension, have graduated to a new level of professionalism. Where the uh, uh, the medium we record on the platform uh, Riverside it does a digital countdown. Did you not see the counting down? The three, two, one. Um, it did. So yeah, it's, yeah, so did, it's all synced. But I appreciate you yep. bringing that level of professionalism to the show. Uh, just before we start, or before we started, you pointed out that you've got a Jumanji board game behind you. Is that okay? So a couple of questions, like. Because I'm, I'm, real. I, I, it's real. I mean, every time we play it, every time we play it, we get transported to a jungle where everything wants to kill or eat us to death, Charlie. It's horrific. We've only played it once, and I only just came out of it after my son's birthday. <laughs> that last explains week. the ponytail. How long were you gone for? <laughs> yeah, I went in clean cut. I came out with this hair. Yeah, I've been in there for years, man. I lost so much of my time. I'm 72. I'm just going to turn your microphone down a little bit because you are coming oh, in sorry. hot, but that's fine. No, that, I'm coming in hot. I'll back no, off. No, that's good. That's good. No, so Jumanji though, because I'm not overly familiar with Jumanji law. I don't think I've ever seen the original one. I've seen the, the, right. the rock ones. Um, mm-hmm. But was Jumanji a game and then they turned that into a movie like, you know, Monopoly, they turned into a movie or, or, or did the game come from the movie? No, I think the game came from a mystical place. Okay. And, um, hang on. Somebody dug it up. Wait, hang on. <laughs> no, hang on. Played it. No, but the, then, the game, that, the the game that you have, is it a movie tie-in? Or- no, man. Look, the game is, listen, the movie is based on real events, Charlie. <laughs> Can you see that at the start of Jumanji? It said based on a true story. Sure, yeah. It actually happened to Robin Williams. Right. So you um, were Kirsten Dunst because you would have been about Kirsten Dunst's age when the original f- film came out. So was that based yeah. on you? And so, who yeah, was yeah. Robin Williams? Who was Robin in Williams? In real life, in real, it was um, um uh, yeah, it was the actual guy, whatever his name is, in the film. Right. Okay. So you were a kid, and a guy popped out of your board game. <laughs> with, with a- Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Isn't Robin Williams the original kid who went in and went missing for years? You know what, Cam? I'm going to do a tried and true, tried and true. Um, uh, a Tofop uh, fallback, and I'm going to go Jumanji on Wik- Wikipedia because I have not seen yeah. the original film. I don't know what the fucking plot is. Oh. I've only seen. Okay. I mean, I imagine it's the same thing. People get sucked into a game, right? Is that? What- I'll tell you what happens. I'll tell you what happens. This kid whose father is a shoemaker, um, he is getting. Uh, he got in a bit of trouble Al- with his dad. Alan Parrish is his he name. Got, he got chased. Yep, he got chased by bullies. Um, bullies. And then he starts, he finds this game, he plays this game, he gets sucked into the game and he disappears forever. And his family um, grieved so heavily that they're very, um, that their business co- collapsed and all this sort of stuff. You don't really find that out until later on. Um, and then the game 
gets uh, lost somehow. He gets lost, I guess, and then is found again when this other family buys the mansion. 26 years later, Judy and Peter Shepard move into the now vacant the parish mansion. Yep, and these kids play the game and then um, out pops Robin Williams, who is that boy. He's been in there for that long. He's grown a beard and he's... Um, He's like a, an angry Peter Pan, right? Essentially, right, right, yeah. right. Okay, yeah, okay. So it was based. It was based on. A, it was based in a book. That's what Wikipedia is telling. Oh, based me. on a true story. No, you can't. You're reading that wrong. It's <laughs> true story, Charlie. It's the, uno- it's based on the unofficial autobiography of Cam Knight, yeah. who was a prepubescent <clears throat> yeah. Kirsten Dunst in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what you were originally questioning me about was whether or not it was a game or a movie first, and I can't answer that. But this is. I think this is the low-rent version of the game. I didn't know it. There's a way more expensive one out there that has like a leather-cased uh, casing and it looks it looks legit, you know, and I think the there's a, you know, that the got the green orb in the middle of the game that tells you what uh, the riddle. Nah. I think that's like battery-powered. Okay. But this one, there's this green thing. It's like this one's really hard, by the way, Charlie. I've played this with Archie and I'm so glad that he can read now because you have to pull this card out and there's this weird um, lettering in green and then you slide it underneath this green screen plastic. Oh, yeah. And the riddle is revealed. And even with my glasses on, I cannot, for the life of me, read the riddle. Like I need Archie's fresh eyes. He's up there and he can read every single one of them. And then you have to guess based on a panel of different things what the riddle is alluding to, like adventure or a chasm or marauders or something like that. And you roll the dice and, you know, it's a dice game essentially on a board. Right. I can't read the bloody thing. Like Archie could just make these things up. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if we've played the game properly. All I know is I nearly died. So Iona um, has just started getting into board games and so we went and got a couple of classics. Um, We got Connect Four and Hungry Hungry Hippos, which it was weird because we, we sort of just put Hungry Hungry Hippos together and we just dumped the marbles and we started like going at it. And then I was like, this seems... Dumb. Like this, uh, this, I don't understand what the point of this is because it's just like this random, like there's no skill involved. There's no gamesmanship. It's just like make the, the hippo eat. And so I was asking Jim, like, what are the rules of this? And she was kept like dismissing me. Like I kept getting dismissed, Cam. She was like, it's hungry, hungry hippos. Try and yeah, eat as many what, marbles. It is what it, is what it says on the box, <laughs> yeah, Charlie. Yeah. Hippos are hungry. They're eating. Just make them eat. Make them eat. You know? But yeah, then I, I went on YouTube because I typed in like rules of Hungry Hungry Hippos or Hungry Hungry Hippos tutorial. And there's actually two sets of uh, ways of playing it. There is the beginner's level, which is ironically, I think the harder version, which is you drop one ball into the Hungry Hungry Hippos and you go, you go after it. And then the advanced level is you put all the balls in at once. But I reckon the – see, I've been trying to get Iona – to play, I the- love the fact you're such a. Just before, I'm going to interject yeah. here. You are such an actor, like you want to know what the hippo's motivation <laughs> no. is. And it's like, it's, it's hunger. No, nothing to do with acting. It has to do with <laughs> you need to know what the rules of a game are so you can play the goddamn rules. Although I do forget oh that I'm playing against a toddler most of the time. Against a child, so it doesn't fucking you know? matter. <laughs> I don't care. Like the rule is, yeah. she wins. That's what I. Yes, have, that's, exactly. Which really yeah. like bugs me that like I have to is let it? her win. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think it's. I worry sometimes that I'm not sort of um, 
I'm teaching her enough resilience that like the world's not always going to let her win. <laughs> so sometimes, okay. like I, the problem for me is, I think sometimes I grapple with my own upbringing, my uh, which was you know not only was it like a different time, but I was also raised Catholic, and there's this level of kind of like oppression to Catholicism where. You know, really? Yeah. You, no. Yeah, no. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, wait no. till I tell you about like the child molestation. It's going to blow what? your mind. Are you kidding me? In the Catholic Church. <laughs> what? They're Christians. But you're a dad. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Like when we were kids, yeah. and this is going to make me sound a million years old. And so if there's any younger listeners, I'm sorry, but I'm, I know I'm Gen X, but I'm going to sound boomer as fuck here. But when I was mm. a kid, you got presents. Back in my day. You got presents. Back in my day. You got presents on your birthday and Christmas, and that was yep. fucking it. Like that was yeah, it. Man. Maybe if you know a, a relative uh, or family friend came. I oh, go on. Yeah. You got another one. Or 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 if you were like, if you went Sick. on holiday somewhere. Oh yeah. And and you went out shopping and you kind of begged for a holiday present. Holiday like present. a mentor. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if you're yeah, in Hawaii, you might get one of those sharks where you pull the trigger in the, the shark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there'd always be yeah. some kid who comes back from your who comes back to your primary school and he's been to Japan. He's got like a digital watch and you'd be like, Whoa, whoa what kind whoa. of witchcraft is this? The numbers are electronic. <laughs> So, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my point being, that's like a swatch. The swatch watch was our era. That was, yeah. that was you know, everyone wanted a swatch. But that's watch. What, but that's what I'm saying is everyone wanted a swatch watch. Like I remember those rich yeah. kids at my school who would holiday overseas on school holidays, and they'd always come back from America or like Japan or somewhere with something like we'd never seen before. I remember one kid came back. Do you remember those key rings you could get? That would make sound effects. Like you press one button, it's a machine gun. You press another sound effect, it's a motorbike oh, yeah. revving. Like I remember, yeah, I, I had a fart one. Yeah, 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 I just had a fart one. Yeah. I remember a kid coming back with one of those, and like in grade five, and us being like, "Holy shit, man! Like that's a machine gun!" Like Look at this <laughs> technology, and now now it's just laughable in the in the shadow of the new like Apple Vision Pro. You know, like we're we're marveling at at farts on buttons. So my argument is that, you know, maybe three times, four times tops a year getting presents, but now it's like presents all the goddamn time. And look, I understand. I own as an only child and so there's a tendency to spoil and stuff. But I also think there is a default mechanism and it's not just, you know, in our household. I think it's most parents where there are so many toys, like you go to a supermarket, you go to a newsagent, you go there. Like it's, there's always something that a kid can, that catch a kid's eye and for them to say, can I have that? And you know what? Sometimes it's fucking five bucks. And if it's going to give you half an hour of like pace, you'll be like, yeah, sure. You can have that. But now we have like these buckets filled with fucking junk and shit that she doesn't even care about that she doesn't play with. And I'm trying to put my foot down, but I'm losing this battle because look, I think ultimately you know, part of me, uh, you know, agrees with it. Like, fuck it, you know, why not? Why not make her life feel special and stuff? But then the other day, like, she woke up and the first thing she said to me was, can we get a toy? Like, that was was the – like, in my – the way I grew up, like, there was no way that would have even entered my thought. You could dream about maybe getting a remote control car or skateboard or something, but you knew you had to wait till your birthday or Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just – I wore all of my toys out. It's it's really actually quite interesting because I kept – all of my original Lego and a bunch of old Matchbox cars and stuff. I don't know, for some reason, mum and dad just kept it at their house because I just said, can we, I please just hold on to this stuff? Because it was just the only things that I had, you know, and I just wore them out essentially. But 
they kept them. And now that I've had um, my own kids, my parents gave them back to me. So my kids' first Lego set was my old Lego set. And I thought in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, I had a massive Lego set. It was this huge Lego bag. And then mum and dad brought it over and it's just, it's bullshit. It's absolutely, it's like nothing. Yeah. And my kids yeah. have already got about 20 times the amount of Lego that I ever owned. And considering this too, like we, you know, I mean, I'm divorced now and so they have two homes to live in. They have two bedrooms to fill. They have two play spaces to fill with toys and so they have two types of everything. They have they have soft toys for her own bed at, at her house. They have them for my house. So they, my kids are doubly spoiled from that as well. It drives me out the wall. Well, and I don't know what to do about it because yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. I like to – sometimes I'm like you. I go, oh, yeah, it's only five bucks. Like I took my kids bowling on the weekend – which, by the way, I walked out of there like 85 bucks down um, <laughs> just to go bowling, but there was an arcade in the in the yeah, bowling alley yeah. as well. It's this really cool 50s bowler. It's just over in Botany. It's great, right? Um, and, yeah, the bowling itself just for one game for the three of us cost me like 50 bucks or something or 40 bucks or something. And then my kids wanted to play in the arcade and it was one of those arcade things where you play those games and it gives you those stupid tickets the or tickets, you know, yeah. token. you've got to collect the tickets to get something. So they ended up getting um, a bunch of tickets. They thought it was amazing. They got like, I got 260 tickets, Dad. This is great. What can I get? And it's like, you know what you can get, man? You can get landfill. That's what you can get, buddy. Like you're going to get something that that, like, that is just going to end up just being underground longer than you ever will, or or you is can get a bunch of said to your kids. I know, I know. This, is, this is all muttering to myself. Oh my God. <laughs> I can lay on the counter and oh, just saying, worry. "Can I?" You'll be long dead before you be long gone. Down. Yeah, get that get that stress ball dice, kiddo. Get it, get it. Yeah. I need it. Daddy needs it. Like it was just kind of doing my head in a little bit, going, "God damn it!" They just the amount of just superfluous stuff that they have that they get you know, on a whim or even now just with kinder surprises or whatever. There's just all yeah. these tiny little bits of plastic that we've got in our house that we don't need. Yeah. Yeah. I got, yeah, I got a bunch of those. And Iona's just getting into Lego now. We actually went to Big W yesterday to get her like some, we thought we needed to get the, we, we should get the Duplo because that's, you know, she's a bit younger, the bigger, the bigger uh, block ones. But yeah, then veggie, she saw. Lego. Is that what we called it? Remember, did you, what I had you to call go, Veggie Lego because I had to do veggie. I did veggie maths. Yeah, me too. School. Yeah, did you? Yeah, but we, we weren't given Lego. My <laughs> veggie maths must have been a lot more advanced. You were real. You were veggie veggie maths. <laughs> yeah, we were just actually legitimately just counting Duplo boxes. Yeah. <laughs> were you really? Um, no. Nah. So you you're going to get Duplo? You don't think she's as dexterous? Well, we're going she's not to, but then we took her down the Lego aisle and she saw a frozen, you know, diorama, and then you know that was it. We had to get it was on. we got the frozen one. But yeah, cool. That's sort of part of the thing is like, you know, I just I wonder if it just makes it less special. Like, I look at all her toys and I look at you know the toys you can get now, and I'm like, oh my god, imagine being fucking eight years old now and just what you know what you could get your hands on and the stuff you can play with like the toys are so advanced and they're so great but then at the same time there's so much of it it's kind of like yeah. she's spoiled for choice and i'm they like are. i just want to you know you sort of give your kids those experiences you know like horse riding or whatever like that has nothing to do with material possessions and stuff but ultimately 
the thing that's really going to hook them in because, you know, you've got marketing companies getting paid millions of dollars to lure them in is Kinder Surprise, Happy Meal, all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I remember meeting, uh, chatting, I worked with this director um, who lived in the States and I went over to visit him and his wife and they had two kids. And I noticed when I walked into their house they had no TV. And I was like, oh, well, that's weird. You're a TV and film director. You don't have a TV. And he's like, oh, yeah, I watch things on my laptop and stuff. But, you know, if I need to – you know, do a grade or whatever, I'm going into a grading suite. So it doesn't matter if I'm watching it on a small screen if they're just sending me, you know, dailies and stuff. And I said, what about your kids? And he's like, yeah, they don't really ask to watch it. I'm like, so what are they doing? He's like, oh, you know, like they write plays and, um, you know, one of them, Eli's learning the piano and, you know, so-and-so paints and stuff. And I'm like, but they don't complain or bitch and moan or, you know, talk about their friends. They're like, oh, you know, occasionally it comes up. But, you know, they genuinely get into what they're doing, the music or the arts and crafts or whatever it is. How do they do that? So they mustn't have um, introduced them to television from an early age, obviously, because I don't know how to wean mine off. Like they're not on a heaps, but to to I have to stagger it with them and we have to talk about time frame and how long they're going to do this or if they – my kids love computer games now and they, you know, they play my PlayStation, they play kids' games on the PlayStation and stuff like that. Archie's obsessed, loves it, but I still have to type, like stagger that out. But then when I'm trying to encourage them to then go and do other things, to do reading, to do art, to do craft, to play with the millions of toys that they already have, it's or it still is like this effort. Like I've found, man, I've found myself, I'll go into my sunroom, which is their play den, and I'm in there by myself playing with the Lego because it's fucking better than any Lego I've ever had. My friend gave me like so much Lego at Christmas time because their kids don't play with it anymore. And he gave me all the workbooks and stuff. And my kids have only built like two things out of it. One of them was a goddamn Hogwarts castle, mind you. Like he gave me some really epic gear and like hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of free Lego. And I'm the one in there. I'm in there going, yeah, man, I'm going to piece this together. This is so cool. Thinking my kids will follow me in. And they just <laughs> they don't. don't. <laughs> they don't. <play> <laughs> it's like, that'll do it. I'm, yeah. I'm the same with um, what's it, the Connex building blocks, you know, the magnetized building blocks where it's like I love that. Like I will like I, I will beg Iona to play that with that so I, I can do it. And I often will be left on the floor for like an hour on my own building some construction long after she – but that's what I mean about if I was a kid again, I would love what is available now. But I just sort of – I mean, I don't – the TV thing is, is analogous, right? It's like well, once the cat's out of the bag, it's not like we yeah. can suddenly – Pull it away. And now say, yeah, you only get presents twice a year. Because it's just yeah. going to seem like we're or, – or can we? I don't know. Can you do it? Can, I don't know. I mean, you can, can, you can, can we play good dad, bad dad? Can you come up and be like bad dad? So I'll just be like, oh, geez, I know. You know, I really don't want to take this away. But Cam's here and he's just sick of kids getting toys all the time. Then you can kick I, the I door in. Take everything out. Yeah. Yep, this is coming with me. Bad dad, <laughs> away. Look out. Bad dad coming through. You can start pretending to cry yeah. for her as well. Oh, well, like, well, oh, oh that's so uncool, the, man. What a bummer. What Diorama, not the frozen diorama. Why would he do that? Crazy, crazy. (laughs) And then I accidentally do take the magnets, and you do start crying. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned before, and it just it just caught my ear. The the new Jumanji was real. No, yeah, yeah, you mentioned that the Apple that Apple virtual reality headset. What's it called? Have you seen the Have you seen the nine minute uh, video online about it? And so tell them, like, I I, but I literally saw it last night, so I have not um, debriefed. Is that legitimately what it can do? 
Like apparently so, yeah. I was and I was kind of concerned about it when I first saw it because I well, partly because I went, This is just a Black Mirror episode coming to life and the world's gonna end. But then also, um, the VR uh, technology in it now is incredible because usually when you've got VR and you look around, everything looks around with you, but you can open screens up and then look to your left and that screen will stay locked exactly where it is. That's right. Yeah. And that's phenomenal. But, yeah, it looks like that's It was that's such a dystopian be, but, yeah. video, wasn't it? Because the yeah. way they were framing it and marketing it was like, it's a dad at home and he's, like, making dinner for the kids. and Hanging around you know, on the couch. And his, his daughter kicks work. a soccer ball and is like, boo. I can, you know, and I'm just like, this is horrifying. <laughs> like, I know. Like, I know. But, look, you can go to the moon. You can go – you could go anywhere. You can watch a movie on the moon if you like and immerse yourself in 3D photographs with your children. Everything's fine and – so part of me is like, this is incredible technology. This is amazing. But then a part of me, I'm sitting there going, this is Black Mirror and WALL-E smooshed together. What the fuck is going to happen to humanity? I'm not sure. Well, considering like, when you look at the reality of like, you know, the House of Living crisis, wages have stagnated, you know, climate crisis, who the fuck would rather be here than in a virtual world where you can traverse to any place? It's Ready Player One. It's everything you just named. It is, like, it's all those dystopian <laughs> – Pure escapism, but for three and a half thousand dollars, it's pure escapism. That's right. So I've just found this article from NPR. Apple moves into virtual reality with a headset that will cost you more than three grand, and I think that's US. Apple on Monday unveiled a long rumored headset that will place its users between the virtual and real world while also testing the technology's trendsetter ability to popularize newfangled devices after others failed to capture the public's imagination. I guess they're talking about like Oculus Rift and Google yeah. Glasses and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, Tim Cook yeah, said. Sorry, uh, go. They were so quiet about this launch too. Like yeah. there was nothing coming up. Like no one said Seems anything sinister. about anything. They had to, how's this? Apparently they had to put down 5,000 different patents for this thing over however many years they've been working on it. 5,000 different technology, new technology patents. Like it's astounding. So you're saying there's 5,000 independent bits of, New innovation technology. or technology have gone into yeah, this device. Available in it's this fucking now. aliens, man. It's fucking aliens. Aliens landed <laughs> and they <laughs> handed over <laughs> this advanced tech. It's it, man. It's on. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zuckerberg's going to be the only one in his little fucking $400 VR set jerking off over some 16-bit set of tits <laughs> while we're all in this fucking reality, Uber Apple reality. <laughs> it's so weird, though, like it, how quickly – because you're right, like the fact that they held off on the announcement, it seemed to come from nowhere, and it's and all these patents. It, it feels like it. I don't know why it feels sinister. It should it should be exciting. It should just be like we. It should just be. Hey, how good's humanity? Isn't this amazing? We built this. Like that's what. It's just that's because what you have no said. faith. She's like, I'm excited, and I was like, I'm I'm excited that you're excited. I'm happy that you're excited, but. I find this kind of terrifying for some reason and I don't know why and I can't explain it, but I am. I'm just sort of scared of it. And he's like, well, that's because you're older than me. You're old. You're one of those. I'm, I've shifted into that bracket, Charlie, yeah. where anything new, I'm just going to go, no, 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 no. You know, I don't want this. Well, I guess it's because look what happened with social media. Like we, we are a rare generation in that, you know, we existed in a time, we were mature enough in a time pre the internet to understand what a pre- and post-internet world looks like and the differences between the two. And one of the things that came in in our lifetime with social media, and we know where the fuck we are 
there with social media and how, what, like how destructive. I mean, obviously some good things as well, but ultimately in terms of kind of attention spans, like mental health, you know, it's documented. Social media has been yeah. terrible and we just kind of yeah. release this thing all excited about the technology and it's going to connect us all and blah, 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 blah. And now we're sort of like, oh, maybe we should have like done a slower rollout and just tested all this kind of yeah. stuff. So the cynicism, the cynicism oh, yeah. and the reluctance, I reckon, comes from a sense of when has technology been rolled out that hasn't been immediately co-opted by nefarious forces? You know what I mean? Like even if a cure for cancer came out, there'd be some – way of twisting that medication and like, oh, it actually um, sterilizes entire populations and it would be used for that, you know. There'd be some horrible application because that's what we do. It's like, you know, I, I was there was a video that went viral a couple of days ago about, um, you know, the RBA right raising interest rates and the difference between, you know, what the world was like 30 years ago in terms of average income, average house price, long and the short of it being that, you know, 30 years ago, you'd have to sort of save three times your yearly income in order to save the deposit for a house. And then, you know, the way to pay off that house was much faster. Now it's like 10 times. Like the, the cost of a house is virtually impossible for anyone on like a below average wage. And so you think about like, well, there seems to be you know, some solutions we can take there, which is like, well, maybe we look at negative gearing and maybe rather than having multiple investment properties. Yeah. But you know what happened in the maybe, 80s? Maybe I should go and live in a board game for 26 years. Yeah. Shit out. <laughs> Wait this like, shit out. But crazy. you know that people take advantage. So obviously in the 80s, you know, people started buying investment properties and, you know, using negative gearing to their advantage. And that's what happens. And so with this virtual reality helmet, you just like, it's not like this shit is getting developed and then handed out globally for the betterment of mankind it's got a fucking three and a half thousand dollar price tag which means only a certain class of people are going to be using it which means only a certain class of people decide how to exploit this and it's certainly not going to be for the good of humanity is it not really no and i say that to your bloody girlfriend i I wonder i wonder how much um uh, patronage of cinemas is going to go down too because you can just sit in a in a real world 3D IMAX movie in your lounge room if yeah. you want. It's it already is. Like also, it- I can if you had a VR, if you had that headset and I had a headset, right? Um, we can we can take a, a 3D and we've got like a 3D image camera. We can do a 3D image camera of our bodies. And then you and I can sit together and watch this movie together and and I can look over and see you it looks like you're actually sitting next to me in this movie as well and when you talk to me it's real time it's the way the speakers work make it feel as if you are just there and the only thing you can't do is is do a casual yawn and reach around and, and give me a cuddle like you, you <laughs> i'll try don't you worry <laughs> at my place there'll be a dummy like it'll be a mannequin with a crude face drawn on it and cam scrawled across its chest and lipstick and i'll just gently reach over <laughs> <laughs> and give it a kiss. Yeah. But, I, yeah, it's just – I mean, it's funny, isn't it, like that all these sci-fi films and, and, and dystopian literature has kind of been telling us where we're going, yet we seem to be marching towards it. We're letting it happen. Yeah. And no one's doing anything about it. It's like, Happily. oh, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Look, let, how cool was Minority Report? Let's make it available to households, uh, the, the technology they used, you know, because that's essentially what it looks like when you look at it. And then it's – so now – Okay, they're making AI bots that can do parkour better than humans, 
and can do combat training better than humans. What, where, how is this going to aid us in any way? I think if, if we have this AI technology that is able to learn quick, faster than we're able to learn, yeah. what if it, and then boom, we're done. We're talking about the singularity. I mean, I think those Boston Dynamic robots, to be honest, are more... I'm not so worried about them. Like, I don't think it's going to be the Terminator future that, you know, people worry about because it's still very inefficient to send physical, you know, uh, uh, robots out into a war zone, maybe for certain jobs, but it's much easier just to fucking wipe someone out with an EMP or to drop a bomb or precision drone strike. That's, I think. Which which you could probably operate with, uh, you know, an, an Apple Vision Pro. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> totally. Oh, my <laughs> God. Your own lounge room. That's exactly yeah. right. Like the situation room would just be like all yeah, the generals. Yeah, it's your and- bed. Yeah. It's the situation bed. Yeah. I wonder if you're right though. Like that actually. Oh, now this is a good idea for a sci-fi film. We should make like a hitman who doesn't yeah. actually leave his apartment. He's just got one yeah. of those Boston Dynamic dogs with a gun on its back, and he's just in. He's just got his VR. What's it called? The VR the Vision Pro. Vision Pro, and yeah. he's just off fucking like going. You know, done knocking on the door of a of a, of a target and and that's cool. Could we could we gun. get Sean Reno to star in it? And we do call it the Vision Pro Professional. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, very good. Yeah, yeah we, good. We, 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 yeah, we now have to get the Apple to just agree to the product placement, which I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> they love that. They love that shit, just branded content throughout the whole thing. So, you know, this Tim Cook fella, um, who yeah. uh, Donald Trump once called Tim Apple, <laughs> said, <laughs> this marks the beginning of a journey that will bring a new dimension to powerful personal technology. Although Apple executives provided an extensive preview of the headset's capabilities during the final half of Monday's event, consumers will have to wait before they can get their hands on the device to prepare, but be prepared to pay a hefty price. Vision Pro will sell for around three and a half grand once it's released in stores next year. It's an impressive bit of technology, but it was almost like a tease, said Garter analyst Tung Nguyen. It looks like the beginning of a very long journey. Okay, all right, so maybe... We're jumping the gun a little bit. Maybe that ad wasn't. Maybe that ad was, you know, like. Um, oh, you hang on. Are you saying that it's not being I, made yet? No, I'm just saying that the the the, the capabilities demonstrated in that commercial may not be a hundred percent what it can do now. That that ad might be saying, "Hey, like, you know, this is where we're headed." Like at the moment, you'll be able to check fucking email and maybe watch some TV. But whether the or not last you- time I saw something like that happen, um, that woman got arrested for um creating a you know a um a tiny box that would save the world with one drop of blood do you remember that woman who's got that really deep voice and the blonde hair what and are she you um, talking about do you know what i'm talking about no there was this american woman and she's got a really 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 deep voice and she um she siphoned millions of dollars from people to create this um medical this new yeah yeah uh, i don't know medical advancement where you could test for any illness in this box by with just one drop of blood and it just never worked like it didn't work it was never going to work it's too difficult and now she's doing like 11 years or something in jail um she's got a really deep voice she like fully deepened her voice she wanted to appear like masculine right hello and she's got it's really strange hello i'm going to save the world it's like man you sound like you sound like a feminine Wim Hof. Like, what are you doing? 
Um, but, yeah, she's done time for that. So I don't know, like it would be pretty funny if they've just promised all of these things and there's nothing. Like it's just a pair of ski goggles hooked up to an old Apple iPhone. Well, it says, instead of merely positioning the goggles as another vehicle for exploring virtual worlds or watching more immersive entertainment, Apple framed the Vision Pro as the equivalent of owning an ultra-high-definition TV, surround sound system, high-end camera, and state-of-the-art camera bundled into a single piece of hardware. Okay, so I guess what they're saying is unlike Oculus Rift or Google Glasses, it's not just like you're got your eyes locked into one thing, like looking at a oh, screen. That's another thing too. Yeah, but like you can you can see through the glasses, so I can see my entire lounge room, and then all the apps come up or whatever I'm working on. Right, you you actually can't. You can see my eyes, but they're not actually my eyes. It is a projection of my eyes. It takes a, a, a an image from my eyes, yeah. um, and then renders it on the front, so it looks like oh. I'm looking at you. That's so creepy. I know, I know. It's so bizarre, right? But then also, this is another thing I'm kind of worried about, right? Like I know about data mining and it's happening all over the place, but with this sort of thing, we have no – I don't. I, I kind of fear that they, they, have a, they have eyes in my home now. You know what I mean? Like they, my, this thing is capable of collecting so much information about – Everything in my house, it could just see every single thing I've ever bought, books I've read, movies I watch, labels of of brands of of um, electric uh, electrical appliances that I've bought. This thing is just like snapping shots all over the fucking house, and just knows everything about me. Where's all that information going? Again, imagine it, like just I don't know if you would be so self conscious like watching porn on that thing because I would feel like anybody was watching me the oh, whole yeah. time. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's, Even yeah, though totally. it would be immersive and probably pretty crazy and amazing, but I, I mean, just would be like, no way. There, there is going to be a, a point, and maybe we're getting there sooner than we think, at which you just have to check out, right, of technology. You know, for our parents, it would have been like, I don't know, fucking iPads or something like that. But there is just a point where you're like, this is just too much. Like, our, our, you know, it's the equivalent of having like a – a Neanderthal brain, you know, and suddenly someone brings you fire. It's like, I don't know what I'm looking at. And so I I think, you know, I think about our kids and, you know, in 10 to 15 years, how advanced this technology will be. And it's like, Archie will say, hey, dad, you know, do you want to come see a film? And you're like, sure. And then you both get on your individual couches in individual cities and put on your fucking headsets and meet in the virtual foyer. I think at that point, this will be weird. He'll be like, do you want to come see a film? And I'm like, yeah. And then he just touches his forehead and we're there. (laughs) Because there's a fucking button in his brain. And and then we both just sort of collapse on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) We're just like this heaped mess on top of each other. And we've just, (laughs) we're comatose, but just living in this cinema world in our brains that it's created. But maybe this is like, you know, you've heard of Human Beings 2.0. Like maybe this is what we're meant to do. Like maybe we are meant to evolve into digital forms. Like maybe the maybe. technology will get so advanced. I don't know. And, you know, I mean, it won't be us, but, you know, there'll be others. I mean, they can already, in the, sa- in the same way that ChatGPT, you know, can comb the entire internet to create sentences and write songs and poems and all that kind of shit. Like it won't be, it can't be too far away where, you know, an AI will be able to uh, take accumulative totals of everything that you've said or written or, you know, every bit of data available of you online and created, you know, a virtual cam night that could be uploaded, you know, to 
somewhere and then after you die your kids or your grandkids can still converse with a virtual version of you i mean that's yeah, that's, that's cool i like that that's yeah, lovely but, but then I, on the flip side of that what if that is that lovely i don't know if it is i think it's a well, bit I, love, I like the idea of i do like the idea of being able to step inside some photographs and looking at my kids and hear it or a video say i took a video of them when they were little so they're going to be like 21 or when they're older and I'm old and I'm reminiscing and then I can look at this thing and step in and and it's visceral and it's like to hear their voices as children again and to almost like be able to touch them that it's I think that would be I think that would be absolutely incredible what I don't want is for this technology to um, take a snapshot of my life of what it thinks I am who I am and then decide to um give me what it thinks I want to make me happy because I'd still want free will. Like, do, do you know what I mean? When it just says here, I could immerse yourself in all of this, lose yourself in what I can provide you like a God, I guess. And I, I still would want to step out of that and just go, hang on, hang on, hang on. And you're still to me just a computer game, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, well, like I think, I, I mean, I, I was going to make a prediction, but who knows what will happen in our lifetime. But I don't think they're, We've come so far. Look at what the stuff we yeah, had to play but, with. We used to play with fucking Frogger and Pong and, yeah, I guess. and Double Dragon, and now look where they are. But it's, this, it's, it's wonderful. If this planet becomes uninhabitable, like say in two, three hundred years, uh, you know, where climate change is, is is out of control, like maybe this – because we are such a unique – species at least from what we know in our galaxy and our solar system you know that we are the only habit planet that is habitable by life habitable habitable habitable, habitable. habitable. but maybe <laughs> that we're not meant to be like if you look at where we sit on you know in terms of like what do they call it the cosmic calendar like the you know the, if you look at the Oh, the, yeah, we're nowhere we're, we're nowhere. nowhere like we are a blip yeah. and so maybe yeah. this form which we take so seriously it's just meant to be like it's in the same way a caterpillar forms a cocoon. This is the crystallis moment when we're and we're going to evolve into data. That's. But I, uh, I thought that this was supposed to be the time when we have um, more of a spiritual enlightenment, where we we actually open up to who we are. What if we are spiritual? If we have souls, with the a connection to the universe, the idea of of using something like this technology feels. Like we've cheated, you know. Well, why? I don't see how because because I'm going to sit in an app essentially that's going to give me all these wonderful trippy colours swirling around me, and I haven't taken any drugs, and it's just there to like to give make me feel mindful. Yeah. Have you, did you see that in the video? In the video, uh, in the, in the video at the end, it's like, and if you want to do some meditation, you know, it could be just like if you are having an existential crisis over this technology, just don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. We've got this really cool animation that you can sit in and it's like colourful leaves floating around you while music plays and you just do a breathing exercise. It's just real-time meditation stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, it don't feels you, soulless. It does feel soulless. Haven't you felt times when you felt like you were closer to God because you took something? Or, but I think that this know? is. But I think this is like uh, it, it's it's part of this. Um, you know, the, the sort of the, the the Catholic thing I was talking about before about like, well, you've just got to tough things out. And you need to, uh, but maybe. Like if the technology makes a shortcut for someone feeling a bit more mindfulness, then maybe that's a good thing. Like I was talking to my therapist a, a couple of weeks ago 
Because I used to be like five years ago, I was way into meditation. Like I'd meditate every day, you know, 20 minutes a day. And, I, you know, I found it beneficial. And But after and having a kid, it just, you know, it seems like a luxury that I don't have time for, which is bullshit. I could obviously make time for it, but I just have, have dropped it. And so at night, I've been listening to like sleep stories, sometimes a sleep meditation, but sometimes a sleep story. And part of me was like, oh, am I cheating here? Like, is this, you know, because this is not natural. Like, you know, uh, the cavemen didn't have like someone reading out the fucking dictionary in a dulcet tones to put them to sleep. So, and I asked my therapist about it. I said, you know, what do you think about like relaxation tapes and sleep stories and all that kind of stuff? And she was just like, What's, whatever, you know, whatever works for you. Like it's entirely subjective to, to the yeah, individual. Man. I go to sleep listening to a waterfall because I don't live outside near a waterfall. So I do listen to that on my app. I am touching in. I am touching. I am, I am, I am reaching back to my caveman roots. By listening to a waterfall, but I'm doing it on my phone because I don't want to fucking sleep outside. <laughs> but do you know what my my what? soothing my soothing sound is? The sound what? of a dryer. Like because oh, yeah. our laundry is outside the house, but you can sort of still vaguely hear it in our bedroom where our bedroom <laughs> is positioned. Yeah, but it's because when I was a kid growing up in a house with like nine kids, you know, real estate was within the house was pretty limited, and so. You my, slept in a dryer. My sister and I had a dryer in our bedroom. And so, like, I have kind <laughs> yeah, of wow. memories of being in a kid, like, going to bed. And then, you know, I'd be asleep or half asleep and I would, like, mum would sneak in with a basket of laundry <laughs> and chuck the dryer on. But I do find that, woo, like, it's yeah. a really comforting sound for me. It is, so, it is. Yeah, I like a box fan. I like sounds of, like, a fan blowing as well. Like, Do you listen to it um, every night? Yeah, because I used to – what I was doing was I was sleeping with a fan on because I have tinnitus from seeing bands like when I was younger and and it's really yeah, too much and it's bad. <clears throat> so when it gets quiet, it just seeps in and it's I, I just focus on that and I hate it. So I was having this fan noise on and then I just was – I started feeling guilty. I was wasting electricity because I have it on in winter and I'm like, I don't need this fan. So I was just trying to find different sounds that you can go to sleep to and I was playing around with water – but then I was scared that if I listened to water too much, maybe I'd wet the bed or something. And then so, <laughs> but this waterfall, the waterfall just sounds like white noise. I was right. listening to like different types of noise, like white noise and brown noise. And <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very different like sound, isn't it? Like a waterfall to just a single stream trickle <laughs> into yeah, the a bowl. The trickle makes you go, I need to piss. And yeah. I'm in my 40s, man, and I do need to piss way more. You know, so it's kind of scary. So I'd put that on and go, Jesus Christ, I've got to go to the toilet again and just sit there urging a drop to come out. But, the, yeah, the waterfall almost does just sound like white noise and that's, that, just blanket, that just blankets the, the ringing out, um, which, is, which I really like. Man, you know, like I've actually started trying something different this week as well um, along the meditation lines because I have done a lot of meditation too. Um, and I, like you, was just kind of like, yeah, I get it. I, I like it, but... It wasn't, I don't know, there was something about it. I like doing it if I need to relax, whatever. Anyway, I started doing the Wim Hof breathing exercises. <laughs> Have you ever done that? No, I but we did, we've recently did a whole episode on Wim Hof. On oh, did Hof you? Hof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, but I, I, the first video that I did, I, I, I liked it, but I, I, I was listening to him and listening to him tell me to take it, it's intense, take it was full on because I was like just like was giggling on the floor imagining him trying to f have sex with me 
Take it, let it in, bring it in, put it out. It's intense. You know, I'm like, oh, God. I just couldn't. I kept visualizing him naked on top of me, heaving and sweaty. So I had to find a different person doing the technique. But Charlie, man, I've been doing I did it just before we did this podcast and uh, I did it yesterday. I had an amazing session yesterday. It's I, I've gotten so much out of it. It makes me actually feel energized. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was just bullshit and I just – but I thought, look, I want to have a go at this because I was feeling quite lethargic a lot and I didn't know what was going on and so I cut back my coffee. I only have like one coffee in the morning now and I was starting my day now this week. I went, i got to do this. I start the day with with um, yoga and then uh, get work done and then, you know, around 2 o'clock or whatever, I'll do Wim Hof. Look at you. I know, man. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. I was a goddamn urchin that used to hang out at Revolver Nightclub. I know, right? I get it. But I needed something else because yeah. I don't drink. I don't do drugs anymore. I'm six and nearly six and a half years goddamn sober and I'm not feeling – I'm still fucking not feeling right. And so I gave Wim Hof a go. Dude – it reminded there were moments when these rushes of feelings that were coming over the top of my head and my skull reminded me a little bit of doing nitrous oxide and a little bit of like when you're coming on with like mushrooms or um, or um, LSD and I was like this is really interesting, is interesting. Like really really interesting but no fear attached to it or anything like that and there's this beautiful moments of calm after the exhale where you don't breathe back in and you hold your breath at the start from one minute and then the second time one and a half and then the fourth, third time two minutes and then the second uh, fourth time is two minutes 45. You're holding your breath for two minutes 45 before an, an inhale. And there's it's, You can hold your you know, breath for almost Because you're hyperventilating so much, you're actually over-oxygenating your blood. So after you've done all of this hyperventilating, which makes you feel dizzy as hell, so you lie down while you're doing it, and then you finally exhale everything after a minute and a half of this hyperventilating, like the in, out, in, out, let it out, hold your breath then. And so on the fourth time, you are holding your breath for two minutes, 45. And then that inhale, that you inhale again and hold it for like 15 seconds. I, it is so peaceful, Charlie. Like it is. I want to do it. Where did you, where did you find send this? You the link. I'll send you the link. It's on YouTube. I'll okay. send you the link of this so guy. It's just an instructional video. A normal instructor. It's not Wim Hof. Yeah, great. Normal dude. There's some nice relaxing music. Get on the floor. It only goes for like 16 minutes or something. Um, and it's, I felt so, yesterday I felt so powerful coming out of it. And I had some beautiful visuals too with my eyes shut. It was really rainbows. I almost saw like blurry, it was blurry geometrics a little bit. Yeah, I was right. like, sitting there going, hang on a minute, what is this? And these, this feeling of just utter calm and then came out of that and my body was, seriously, it was warm. I was like, I'm charged. My, I, like I get now why he's like, now jump in an ice bath because you kind of do want to, I want to jump in an ice bath. Like you do feel kind of powerful and um, and energised. It was, It's bizarre, mate. Like it's, and I've only been doing it this week and I feel like, holy shit, I've found something real. It's well, it's better. funny, the, the episode that we did, because we were sort of looking at it from a, like you know what what is it and 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 what are the health benefits but more from a perspective of um does this aid in like athletic performance you know is this a thing that you know 
stops disease or whatever. And the answer tends to be, well, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Like sort of it, sort of it, sort of not. Like a lot of things, if you are someone who is already like healthy and eats well and it doesn't smoke or, you know, drinks too much or anything like that, then the benefits are going to be a lot better than someone who does all those things and then doesn't vim off. You're probably not going to see, you know. So the question is how much is like causation and how much is correlation? Like is yeah, the and I, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic about most things, like particularly this sort of stuff. Like I really am. I wonder if it's real or whatever. And I went in and I'm just like, just do it. Let's just see what happens. And it, yeah, it kind of changed my mind. It was. That's awesome. I, I don't know. I think yeah. it's good. I, I definitely, I look, I am a hundred percent a believer of if it works for you, then you should do it. Like, And, yeah. and, if it and also work, that thing you, of, um, yeah. cause I've also tried a different kinds. I think I even put you onto one of the meditations I was doing, which was more um, the Sam Harris one. Um, um, no, you were just. Um, I think it was just babies screaming. Put- <laughs> hey, okay, you got to listen to this. It's so, so relaxing. Real. It's so, so relaxing. Yeah. yeah, it's animals in distress and babies <laughs> screaming. I put it on every night. Yeah, uh, yeah, because because I had been doing. I had been doing like whatever, I think it was Headspace, one of the kind of really popular apps. And I just felt it was a bit like whatever. And then my a different therapist at the time, because I've been in a lot of therapy, said to me, um, oh, take this more neuroscientific um, Sam Harris approach, which is because Sam Harris's whole thing is it's all about a consciousness and what is consciousness and being aware of consciousness and separating from consciousness. And I do find it really useful. But then I'm like, oh, but it's like in a bit of the warmth, you know, a bit of the kind of hippie warmth that you get from the other meditations. And so now I've sort of, I'm dipping into like another meditation app, but I haven't found anything yet that's really kind of captured me quite like the, when, I, when I first started practicing. And so I think that Wim Hof, I like the sound. I think I need a bit like what you're describing is a physical sensation because- yeah. And I it's think really lo- challenging too, by the way. Like I go in a little bit trepidatious, like because it's 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 unpleasant at the start. The the hype, the breathing, it does make you feel a little unpleasant. You're you're heady and dizzy, and and it's and it's a little bit kind of painful, I guess. A little, I don't know. Like I had a I had a tear run down my fucking face today. <laughs> it was weird. And then, but then after, by when you get to like that first um, breath, when you're holding your breath, and that that's when it just sort of hits you and you go, no, this is worth it, you know, and it's kind of, it's funny. It just feels like it's like any time you've done some powerful psychedelic, it's the same thing. It's like, this is unpleasant. This is, ugh, I feel bad. Oh, no, this is actually amazing. But I'm just taking goddamn oxygen. It's, yeah. So I wonder what, I mean, if we to go back to, you know, where this conversation started, like this idea that just say we do evolve into like a, a digital being, like, some kind of uh, super sophisticated data bank of Cam Knight's personality. So before you die, they've been able to do some kind of brain scan, which takes into account like, you know, 98% of your personality. It's 98%. I hope they can't. I don't want them in there. They do not want to hear what goes <laughs> but on. it won't be I'll you. Be it's a, it's so, this, so this digital version of you is not you now that's talking in the podcast. It's a facsimile. It's a, it's a separate version of you. But then you die and this is the only existence you have. And so this version of you exists in the digital space that your kids can come visit and your grandkids can come visit. But I wonder if, like you've got 98% of your own desires, if you can then go, all right, well, you know, um, uh, I want to I experience being high again. 
or I want to experience being drunk again, or I want to experience because how do the consequences how the consequences now change now it's a digital version of you because there's real world consequences for you now, right? And there's yeah. a reason why you're sober. But yeah. if it was a digital version of you where you could stop it at any time by, you know, snapping your fingers and suddenly you're sober, you like you might be like curious about, oh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind tripping again. I want to trip again. And so then I'm you know, going you- in, but I'm not feeling what because there's all I'm doing is witnessing a trip. That's like me just looking up people taking like people. Have no, because I think that graphics on. I, I, read, I read I read this great sci-fi book called We Are Legion, We Are Bob, which is all about this dude who exactly this happens. His consciousness gets uploaded into this kind of server. It's like set a hundred year, only a hundred years in the future, um, and so from the time he dies to the time he's revived digitally, a hundred years in the future, the world has fallen into another world war. Um, and he's been asked to man this space exploration to find a new habit, habitable planet. And so he's launched off in this, on this spaceship and what he immediately starts doing is duplicating himself. So the novel, you start every chapter is a different version of himself and they're all like slightly different from one another. Um, uh, but he, uh, he sort of describes the feeling of waking up. There's this adjustment period, but you have phantom um, you have phantom physical form. So you feel like you've got arms and legs. And that's the hardest thing is that, you know, he feels like he's got the weight of a body and, you know, he can feel the weight of his head on his neck and, you know, the movement of his arms and when he's walking and stuff. But then he looks down and there's no body. So then what he does is, you know, because he, he has control over his own environment, he digitally creates a body for himself, you know, according to what his body looked like when he was still alive. And so, oh, man, would you do that though? Yes, you'd have to. Otherwise, you'd go fucking insane. I want to be a giraffe. I want to be an (laughs) elephant. Like, I don't want to be fucking me. I want to be like, make me into a griffin, you know? Let's go. No, I think I'd just be a a slightly slightly taller, fitter version of myself. You and I would both. I would turn up to meet you for lunch and I'm like, where's Clem? I just see a fucking giraffe with sunglasses on. Yeah. (laughs) We're so fucking insecure about our height. This body dysmorphia. We're like, no, I've got to be six two. Yeah. Be fucking tanned, blonde hair. Put me in. Put me in uh, a Hemsworth body. Well, hang on. I think, like, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe I just wanted to be a bit taller. You wanted to be in a completely new body. That's fucking Basically, body. Yeah. An animal's body. <laughs> that's complete body dysmorphia. Half, half lion, half bird of prey. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be a liger. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting though to be okay. So you immerse yourself back into an old trip, but do you experience the same thing that you experienced in that trip, or is it new? Because well, I guess I don't want to experience what I've already experienced. I would like to feel. No, it'd be new because basically what you're telling the program is okay. Feel high. Um, here is a virtual tab of acid. Yeah. And I'm going to put it in my virtual mouth. And then the and program would be calculating, saying, oh, well, acid consists of these chemicals. When, you know, the average, um, you know, male of this weight and height takes this amount of acid, then the reaction would start in his brain. And so then it would simulate for you, okay, so now you're, you, whatever, hippocampus or whatever the fuck, I don't know, whatever acid triggers is now happening. So you would have a, a digital trip. And then if you got comfortable at any point or, weren't enjoying and this by the way this is not me using some surreptitious way to get you to start taking drugs again or, Man, or I'm, no, again. I'm actually starting to imagine i'm like that sounds kind of cool because you can stop could, it at any point we've got a friend you and i have both got a mutual friend who works at rockstar games let's get him onto it and <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we can call it virtual we trip. We talk about Red Dead and GTA, man. <laughs> we want virtual trips, please. <laughs> Yeah, but the but, the, uh, but the, the complicated part is you have to be a digital version of yourself taking the trip. I don't think you can take a digital version of the trip. That that's that's yeah, the whole okay. point. It's got to be yeah, the immersive, immersive immersive experience. But it's just I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting question. It is where, interesting. Because you won't. Are you saying would I do that? Yeah, because yeah. okay, because the because yeah. the, the 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 risk of addiction is going to be far. Well, I don't know. Is it less because? You might come out of it and go, fuck, that was great. I'm going to do that again now. That's you know? true. I might get addicted to experiencing that, but it's not It's not doing anything. The only thing it's doing is affecting me psychologically. It's not doing anything to my body. It's not affecting you know your what friends I mean? or family. If I wanted to say I want to experience being drunk again, I didn't have to drink a case of beer or a bottle of vodka and shit myself to experience that. Like I'm just <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> I love that. That was too close to the truth. <laughs> I mean, it's not just getting drunk. It's like a fucking bottle of vodka and shitting yourself. I guess, though, if you're going to go, like, go, go hard. Why like, not? Why would you yeah, do it by I'll experience what it was like to be me in my 20s again. Let's yeah. go. But, no, I just, like, I, it doesn't have any um, – it's not damaging your body in any way. It's just you experiencing that. Like, you could say, hey, computer – just make me feel like I used to feel after I had four beers because that's a good yeah. feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be buzz. Hey, hey, I just want to buzz. I just want to buzz. Yeah, but is it? Is it? Is it? Is it busting? Is have you? You know, because it's not you. You haven't taken it. Well, what's what do you? What is the definition of addiction that that you abide by? Like, what's your definition of addiction? If you, if you. If you, if you, well, there's the first one, which is the the body's need for it, the requirement for it. If your body can't function without taking something, then yeah, your body's addicted to that. And then there is a psychological addiction to things like certain drugs, and even the, the psychology of being um, addicted to the you just the having a drink, uh, needing think linking a drink with like I need that to do this. So there's a there's physical addiction and then there's the psychological addiction. And I think the psychological addiction is a lot harder to break, particularly with drinking. Like when you associate drinking with everything, with reward, with um, social socialising, um, with with you know to you dr- use it to commiserate or celebrate. You know, it's just a this thing that you're attached to 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 separate yourself from that is a lot harder. I wouldn't go in and go, I don't think I'd say, hey, I want to, I want to experience drinking again. I think it would, I think more would be, I'd like to, yeah, let me do psychedelics again, or let me do MDMA again, or something that I've, you know, think was a bit more profound of an experience. You well, know? in this, in this sci-fi book, the, he can actually go into his own settings and regulate um, like his emotional settings, his adrenaline settings, all these kind of different – because he's been default modelled to be as close to human as possible, so having like, you know – but, um, you know, because he gets into these tense situations and so he talks about going into his settings and modulating his like endorphin and dopamine release and all this kind of stuff. So you could – so you could, but I guess then you don't need the drug because – You don't. You don't. You just – You know, give just give me a hit of endorphins, give me a release of dopamine yeah, and then – that's all I And then that's it. Fuck yeah. I mean, that's all I'm chasing doing this Wim Hof is I'm just a dopamine addict. I mean, I've got ADHD for God's sakes. It's all I'm doing is just like chasing dopamine. So, you know, and that's one of the reasons, other reasons why I looked that up because you do get this um, hit of dopamine according to Wim. Um, So 
Yeah, that oh, would be so funny. cool. Imagine doing that, adjusting your own settings. Just like yeah. boop, boop. <laughs> serotonin, boop, endorphin, boop, dopamine, boop, testosterone, boop. You'd just be a fuck machine. Like that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, just well, uh, get yourself an Apple Vision Pro, and yes, you can please. be, in Cam, Cam's words, a fuck machine. Cam, <laughs> That's the thank app. you so much for coming back on Fofop. Now, uh, have you got dates coming up? Oh, um, yeah. Well, you know, my girlfriend lives in London, so not until she comes over in um, September we'll probably go out again. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for asking. I don't know. I'm doing, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm doing the comedy store in July, mid-July. I'm doing a bunch of different tours. I'll be up in um, Newcastle uh, next week for part of the Newcastle Comedy Festival on the 16th. And then I'm all over Sydney. I'm just gigging all over Sydney and stuff. But the biggest, the run that I'm doing next is at the comedy store in middle of July, which is awesome. worth plugging, I guess. Well, we'll watch we'll, Botlo, everyone. Yeah, I was going to say. Botlo. It's fucking awesome. That's doing so well. That's the uh, the web yeah, series. You do. Well, web is it a web series or would you say it's know. like a – We've called it a web series. But online yeah, series with online Luke Heggie. Online series sort of do with Heggie. We need to get you on awesome it next comedians. time you're in Sydney as well. Yeah, fucking hell. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Although I think next time I'm in Sydney, you're going to be in Melbourne, which is tomorrow. So it won't be tomorrow. Right. i got a corporate. Yeah, so anyone who wants to come to my corporate tomorrow, that'd be sick. Like, corporate, that'd be great. Come and give Cam some digital drugs. Yes, give him a, a digital Actually, it's psychedelic. Actually, Awards. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. that'll be – I'm the most – I'll be the most sober person in the room. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Everyone's going to be red-eyed and squinty. And then yeah. I'll be like, hey – I just did Wim Hof, everyone. <laughs> yeah. All right. I've, anyway. I've forgotten how I sign off this show. Um, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Cam Knight. Oh, fuck. That sucked. That was terrible. I didn't know what you were doing. Hang on. I didn't know either. Yeah, I'll do a clap. Okay. And we're out. <laughs>